Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. Oh, gosh, where are you, Russ? I can't find Discord. There <laughs> we go. And I'm Lauren. <laughs> That's, never has there been a more perfect opening. Oh, gosh, where are you, Russ? I can't find Discord. I, this is uh, this is my late father's laptop, and I'm still getting used to it. Well, let's go. I dare say you have a poem. I do have a poem. This is Traffic Light. The traffic light simply would not turn green. So the people stopped to wait as the traffic rolled and the wind blew cold and the hour grew dark and late. Zoom, varoom, trucks, trailers, bikes, and limousines clattering by, me oh my, won't that light turn green? But the days turned weeks and the weeks turned months and there on the corner they stood twiddling their thumbs till the changing comes the way good people should. And if you walk by that corner now, you may think it's rather strange to see them there as they hopefully gaze with the very same smile on their very same face as they patiently stand in the very same place and wait for the light to change. And we have no visual to go along with this one, but it is definitely an evocative image right and i'm looking at this at this poem wondering if it's only the people who are the pedestrians who are stuck at the light i think that's what the thing is they're trying to cross one road and it's not that one there's an intersection where there are people who are in their cars waiting for other cars to go it seems that would be likely yeah why did you pick this poem Oh, it's really no good reason, except that uh, every day I have to go through this one intersection. And most intersections are responsive to bicycles being in the in the waiting area. And this one is just not. So I end up having to just pick a time to go. And luckily, the road is pretty slow at that hour. But I always feel a little bitter about it. <laughs> I, too, have an experience with one road and uh, one responsive traffic light but mine is the opposite of yours and mine is extraordinarily responsive and i used to think that booping the booper on a traffic light didn't do anything but with this one and maybe it's the hour because it's about six in the morning when i'm there you you boop this booper and the light changes just immediately yeah i remember the first time i ever experienced that i was in virginia beach and it was a road crossing that was coming off one of the beaches and we booped the light, and it was just like, bam, it's your turn. All the cars have got to stop now. I'd never the, had uh, that happen before. <laughs> the, the only thing of note about it is that it has one of those audi- uh, audible indicators as well that goes like, boop, boop, you know, when it's mm-hmm, time for you to cross. Mm-hmm. But it's broken on one side of the road, and so on the far side, you get boop, boop, and on the near side, you get honk, honk, and it's, it's very <laughs> strident. <laughs> So if if there's an aggressive way to say, now it's your turn, this traffic very, very much like a Dalek. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I assume the moral of this poem is that, you know, you shouldn't be such a rule abider that you screw yourself over like that and you just politely wait while your life goes by. <laughs> so it would seem. I, Do I a always... day walk, oh, damn it. I have never been anywhere 
where the where people so obediently do obey walk signals as in Vancouver. Right, you did mention that on an earlier episode, and I was guessing as to why that was. Um, in Portland, I was saying people are more obedient to traffic signals for walking than they are in a lot of places I've been at the East Coast because Oregon, and especially Portland, has such strict uh, pedestrian laws that you know, you're know you going to be able to cross before too long and... What I mean by strict is I don't mean the, the, that it's strict for the pedestrians. What I mean is that it's strict for drivers interacting with pedestrians. Like every every intersection is considered an unmarked crosswalk. And like people do walk a lot and you've got to be careful. And so I think people wait their turn more than they do on the East Coast because they know it's coming. Where on the East Coast, you're just like, maybe one day I'll get to cross this road or not. <laughs> My there. favorite place is... A pedestrian place in just in a lot of ways ways is New York, because they don't really care about cross signals and they just wait for a critical mass of people to swarm. <laughs> How is the is the critical mass? Does it just determined organically? Like yeah, it's 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 pretty organic. You if you watch a, a video of it, it just sort of like people bunch and bunch, and then suddenly when they feel like there are enough people that nobody is going to drive through this mass of people, they just go across the road. All right, boys, we've got enough charge. I know. And the thing is, like, when you're part of it, you can feel it. Like, okay, this is enough. And then you just go. <laughs> as, as though anyone would doubt that there is some sort of shared psychic human gestalt. Well, shall we talk about traffic lights or shall I read my first poem? I didn't really have that much to say today, I think. I had my birthday party last night. Uh, <gasps> That's right. Tell us about your birthday party. Uh, well, it was little because it's still COVID. Uh, but we had an, a small number of all vaccinated people doing an outdoor pizza party. And uh, my friend just finished her cob oven in the back. Oh, man, this is so Northwest. <laughs> I, 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 I want to hear all of this story. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, she has, like, the, be- the beginning of that sentence was amazing. Yeah, so she just finished her cob oven. She like started it about three years ago, and then she finally finished it. And so uh, it can get up to close to 600 degrees in there when you get it nice and hot. Uh, and cob, if you don't know what it is, it's a lot like adobe. Uh, it's like it's 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 clay. It's clay soil mixed with mixed with straw and i mean i think some people will use manure when they have it but not a lot of people have manure so mostly it's clay it's clay soil and straw and i was asking her where the clay came from because a lot of the soil around here is clay but i didn't see any massive pits in her yard so she got it from somewhere it turns out that if you want clay soil to make cob you can get it from the graveyard (laughs) <laughs> oh that, okay this is becoming a roller coaster so <laughs> your friend's life is a side quest yeah so so cemeteries have a lot of extra soil because you know it's compacted soil then you dig it up and then you put a coffin in there and you stick the soil on top but now the soil's all loose so it takes up a lot more volume area than it did before so they have to do something with the soil so if you want good old, good Portland clay, you can go to the cemetery and be like, I need clay soil, and they will let you have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now the the, the mind reels, um, do, do they sell it or do they simply give it away? They simply give it away, I think. And th- is this common or uncommon knowledge? I didn't know about it. 
Wow. I, oh, huh. That is, that, that is a useful piece of information. If you need soil, hit up a cemetery or yeah. play specifically. Perhaps my co- pizza oven birthday party will like infused the, the pizzas with holiness because the soil came from hallowed ground. Not only do you have dead people in your mouth, you have dead people in your pizza. Uh, I mean, it's not like they dug into a grave to get the soil. They, like, were digging the grave and got the soil. Well, it's definitely haunted. Yeah, yeah. Oh, (laughs) one of my favorite, like, weird graveyard things and the soil displacement was I was in New Mexico once, and, like, the... Prairie dogs were digging in a, a very old graveyard. And so there were just these human bones everywhere because the prairie dogs were like digging out their holes and like pulling the bones out and just kicking them out. And I was just like, huh, I think that's an Ulna. For anyone listening, this show is not scripted, <laughs> as though one could tell. And I often wonder where we're going to end up with these discussions. And I hope it's always places like this. We both have a fascination with the macabre. Graveyard pizza and prairie dogs with bones. I love that. And now that brings up the idea of boneless prairie dogs, which sounds like a menu item. It really does. I mean, I think people eat prairie dogs. They are a rodent, I think. The, the only place I lived that had an amount of prairie dogs was Texas. Do we have prairie dogs up here? I haven't heard of it, but it, it might be in the eastern part, the more deserty eastern scrub part. I have had the opportunity to see more wet squirrels living here oh you know what i uh have just looked it up and yes there are prairie dogs oh there are no prairie dogs sorry there are no prairie dogs in oregon but the reason i found anything on this was there was a forum post titled any places to shoot prairie dogs in oregon and the answer was no (laughs) i hope this is on like yahoo answers or something and it's simply that one word response like yeah, hey guys answers doesn't exist anymore yeah i know and m- much to everyone's chagrin particularly those who follow the McElroys. yeah there is so i i will tell you one thing that took me aback moving to vancouver there is a local reporter here who is named justin McElroy, and oftentimes the the the, the, the social issues that get news coverage here are foreign to me to say the least and so oftentimes he will tweet about local problems, and I think it's the other Justin McElroy making fun of it. Have you started sending it to the McElroy brother, just Justin McElroy, whenever I something's really he, strange? Yeah, I wonder if he's aware. Surely he must be. Yeah, well, I'm sure the reporter near you are knows about the other Justin McElroy. It's like when you have somebody <laughs> the same name who's more famous than you, and you're like, I am going to kill them. I'm going to kill them and replace them. Well, I have... I'm going to dovetail that into another local issue that was absolutely foreign to me before I moved here. And uh, the poem that I'm going to do is two pages out from yours, and it is called Double Tail Dog. Double Tail Dog by Shel Silverstein. Would you like to buy a dog with a tail at either end? He's quite the strangest dog there is in town. Though he's not too good at knowing just exactly where he's going, he is very, very good at sitting down. He doesn't have a place to put a collar, and I'll admit it's rather hard to lead him, and he cannot hear you call, for he has no ears at all. But it doesn't cost a single cent to feed him, 
He cannot bite. He'll never bark or growl. Just scratch him on his tails. He'll find it pleasing. But you'll have to take him out for twice as many walks. And I'll bet that you can quickly guess the reason. If and, it can't uh, eat, how does it make poop? <laughs> and, and the image is, of course, of uh, two ends of dog just sort of melded seamlessly together in the middle. How does it make poop? So there are those mites that live in your eyebrows, the uh, Dimidex folliculorum, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are so efficient with their energy that supposedly they don't poop. And uh, so perhaps that's where their poop ends up is with the double-tailed dog. Okay. Just the universe ordering itself. Hmm. But how does how do you take matter from one place and put it in another? Teleportation. Well, maybe the dog just has a, has a symbiotic relationship with a mite or something. So the mite eats and like passes some of its nutrients to the dog, and then the dog poops that way. The reason uh, that I <laughs> that I chose I, I, I've spoken on this very podcast about dog poop and how. Vancouverites are just foul human beings when it comes to dealing with their dog's poop. But one of the new issues before the city is um, they are trying, they being, you know, the collective of people that I find annoying, are trying to ban apartment buildings from banning pets. So currently you have apartment buildings that allow pets and you have apartment buildings that don't allow pets. And they're trying to make it so that all apartment buildings must have pets hmm. or must allow pets. That'd be terrifying. Like the, uh, an apartment building that requires pets. That'd be interesting. <laughs> that would be really interesting. I think the place that in the world that I've been where people have been the absolute worst about dog poop is Banger, Wales, where my sister lived for a little bit. I, the, I desperately want to hear about how bad they are. They just... It, they don't even. It's not like in Vancouver or whatever where they bag it and leave the bag somewhere. It's just like a poop free for all on all of the sidewalks all the time. For whatever poop free for all to me sounds a little <laughs> bit like an outdoor concert. <laughs> like we've got we've got Woodstock, we've got Coachella, and now we've got poop free for all. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, only so the did- shitty bland- bands are allowed to play there. So ah, uh, badoom tish. So I'm I'm quoting from uh, Vancouver is awesome. A uh, you can check it out if you'd like. Vancouver is awesome.com, One of the local publications around here. This is a October 2020 article by Elena Shepard. City approves motion to end the no pets policy in Vancouver rental contracts. Pet owners rejoice. Today, Vancouver City Council voted unanimously to end the no pets policy and rental contracts. In a tweet, Mayor Kennedy Stewart voiced his support for the decision, stating that more than ever, pets are critical to so many renters' mental health and well-being. He also shared a picture of his pooch, Fergus. He quipped, Fergus may be sleeping, but he approves too. The motion submitted by Councillor Swanson and Fry. On behalf of the Renters Advisory Committee, calls for the prohibition of the no pets clause in rental contracts. It points out that British Columbians have been encouraged to stay home and practice physical distancing due to COVID-19, and that doing so is difficult for seniors, underhoused individuals, and those who live alone. I mean, I kind of, I think it makes sense. It makes sense. I don't think it's a big deal to to do it. Because the number, uh, working, doing animal rescue stuff, the, one of the big reasons people have to end up having to rental pets is they can't find a place to live that will take their pets. Indeed. I suppose that comes with just living in the 
part of the country I do. I was overjoyed to find that the apartment building I live in currently didn't allow pets simply because I've had experiences in the past where uh, someone will have an, an animal that doesn't stop barking, for example, for example, mm, or yeah. like they leave it on the balcony and it just barks nonstop all day long or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I read somewhere the dogs never tire of barking. I think I've heard them go hoarse before. Hmm. This current, my current building also doesn't have balconies, so not really a place for, any, for people to leave dogs, but. Well, right now my house is full of cats. Yes, I was hoping that we could get a poem that I could address this. Um, well, there was you... a poem on another episode uh, that was called uh, Rats or Drats or something, and it was about... Yes, yes, rats. Rats. Oh, drats. Yeah, you're right. Drats, and it was about getting a whole bunch of rats to deal with a cat or overpopulation issue in your house. And I do uh, cat fostering and... I didn't have any foster cats or kittens for a while, and then I committed to getting some kittens from the Oregon Humane Society with their mama, and then uh, I also work with a cat trapper, and she texted me after I'd committed it, being like, can you take this cat that needs to be assessed to see if it can be a house cat or not? So now my house is just full of cats, and it's okay, because I don't have roommates right now, but, you know, this is seven felines that are in my house right now. Can we, can we drop your, your fostering Insta? Yeah. So if you want to see the adorable little kittens, they're four weeks old and they're just like these balls of adorable fluff. And they're really sweet. Uh, my Instagram is foster the floofs. <laughs> and flu- that's floofs with is F-L-O-O-F-S. Floofs. Foster the floofs. When we just immediately before we started recording this episode, I noted that Lauren is in a different location and uh she's uh, told me what she just told everyone that uh her current office is full of cats which disappointed me because i wanted to record the episode with the cats attempting to swarm her and being generally cat-like <laughs> they're four weeks old and they aren't very cat-like they're very clumsy but they will try to climb my bare legs and their claws are very sharp also their teeth are very sharp and they like to nibble on my toes I do love kitten teeth. They're so cute and so sharp. How are they both soft? They're all soft and round, and then they have like these claws and teeth that are just needles. Because indeed, isn't life just full of contradictions? What is a rose without its thorn? I mean, a better rose. <laughs> what is a kitten without claws? I don't know, a capybara, I guess. Mm, well, yeah, I, uh, I should just clip their claws a little bit, and then it'll be less painful. But trying to clip you, tiny, tiny little claws is not easy. You've had mostly cats your life, haven't you? Yeah, I've never had dogs. I don't mm. particularly want dogs. I don't. I like dogs on a case-by-case basis, but they're a lot of work. I, I too, have had mostly cats. When I was young, we had uh, one dog. I never... It, it was an outside dog, and I never remember clipping its nails but i also never remember them getting overgrown it was not in in anything like it was it was just a mutt is is that a thing like do some dogs just grind their nails down naturally or Mm -hmm. what's the clipping thing Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean if you're if the dog's on harder surfaces they're gonna wear the nails down i I do love the youtube videos uh, where you have particularly overly dramatic dogs that scream when they're getting their nails cut (laughs) yeah a lot of cats don't like it much either, and cats are so bitey when they're unhappy. <laughs> cats are so bitey. The amount, the concentration of dogs in this city, 
baffles me. I cannot, um, I've never been in such a doggy place. Yeah, the Pacific Northwest is is very into pets and especially into dogs. We, uh, I don't know about Vancouver, but I suspect this is the case, but Portland and Seattle actually import dogs and cats from elsewhere because they don't have enough supply to meet the demand. That is wild. The um, park, when I'm walking to work in the morning, I I pass through a, a really nice park and it has an off-leash dog area that is never not just packed. And the dogs look like they're losing their minds. It, it, <laughs> it, it looks like children on a playground. It could not be cuter. Yeah, Portland and, has a lot of dog parts, parks and they're fun to watch. Oh, I guess I have a story about that park. I did a good deed today. I, uh, as, as I was out, um, my uh, prettier half and I ran across a cell phone in the middle of a street just sitting there and i have never had the pleasure of finding a lost cell phone before and to much to my surprise it was not locked and so i called the number named mom and mom couldn't have been sweeter and then the person who lost the phone called the phones like meet me at the dog park and i met them at the dog park that's nice that is a nice story i hope their dog was really cute uh they didn't have a dog they were out walking their child oh <laughs> okay and that was how the phone came to be lost because the phone was being held in the stroller and they went over a particularly bad bump and uh even commented on it when it happens like wow hope we didn't lose anything and indeed they had the phone yeah well usually i would assume the kid tossed it <laughs> <laughs> like i find all sorts of children's things around the neighborhood and i just know because some kid decided it didn't want that anymore at that moment and then was probably now crying because it threw its like binky away and now it wanted its binky back it occurred to me that your birthday and my niece's birthday are one day apart and i hadn't made the connection until this year happy birthday to your niece and happy birthday to lauren no thank you oh you're getting a pair you're getting uh, two pairs of darn tough socks oh that's really nice i appreciate that Wow, this, I, I am surprised this episode has been more uplifting than, than as of late. Well, I mean, we did talk about graveyard pizza and uh, yeah, prairie dogs going after bones. But other than that, it has been pretty uplifting. And both of these oh, things she- are not really things we think as being depressing so much as to us. It's like funny in a ghastly sort of way. Yeah, more just interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to close with a, uh, with a short one? Sure, go for it. Okay, so here's a short one. And this one has no title, but it it spans pages 134 and 135. The longest nose in the world belongs to Miss Betsy Blue Bonnet, who lets me write things on it. That one needs the the picture described. And the picture is of Miss Betsy Blue Bonnet, who indeed is wearing her bonnet, and her nose is notably long, and the poem is written on the nose. Uh, there are no line breaks in the poem. It simply runs across the page. If she broke her nose, she would probably need a cast, and then people could sign it. <laughs> what notable person has a almost charming broken nose to you, or, or broken and like misreset nose? I mean, I have friends, but I, I can't think of anybody famous. I think Stephen Fry's is my favorite. Good on you, Mr. Fry. Rock Stephen that. Fry, Stephen Fry, that's a good crooked nose. Yeah, good job. Boy, I have quite a long nose. If I were to, if, if my nose got broken, it would just be. Really, your nose has never struck me as being all that like 
unusual or remarkable. I lo- my nose is my favorite facial feature. It's not a bad nose. I like it. But it's not something that I've ever been like, Russ has a long or <laughs> or big or anything nose. It's just been like, Russ has a nose. Perfectly Roman and average. And <laughs> well, do you have any thoughts to leave our listeners with today? Good job about, having a nose. About noses or otherwise? No. <laughs> good job having a nose, everybody. You're done. Not good. everybody has one, though. We should. Be oh, to- damn it. I'll have to edit that out. <laughs> Wouldn't want to offend the noseless. I mean, it would make me sad.